Just before we start, uh, this episode contains a number of swears, one of them being a Category 1 swear. You have been warned. Kirk is not a job swear. <laughs> that Prime Directive is very flexible in his hands. How's the cricket going? Pretty much exactly the same as it was 20 minutes ago. Oh, that's fabulous. Can he, can he fight it or shag it? It was on display in the bottom of a locked filing cabinet, stuck in a disused lavatory with a sign on the door saying, Beware of the Leopard. leopard, leopard. Welcome to Beware of the Leopard, your A to Z of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I say it every week. I'm Mark Steadman, and I'm very splendid and worthwhile. My name is Danny Smith. This made a lot of people angry and has been widely regarded as a bad move. <laughs> I'm John Hickman. I've got myself a life. Now I need to find a purpose in it. Aww. Um, We've a bumper crop of topics to discuss, uh, but before we do, I wanted to ask you if you'd consider voting for us in the British Podcast Awards Listener Choice Poll. Uh, It's really easy, despite um, it sounding complex. Um, All you've got to do is go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and search for our show by name. Just type it in, Beware of the Leopard. You could probably just get as far as Beware of the... and then you'll be fine. Um, You can only vote once per email address, so if you like the show, pause us now and go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote thank you please thank you are you insinuating there that if you have more than one email address that you could vote multiple times Danny 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 Mark Steadman has already talked about about votes on the internet on this programme let's not get him into that now that's not canon just putting that out there in the world (laughs) and now let's uh, let's get whimsical of all the races in the galaxy, only the English could possibly revive the memory of the most horrific wars ever to sunder the universe and transform it into what is generally regarded as an incomprehensibly dull and pointless game. Of course, we're referring to cricket. Does anyone here like cricket? <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll do it. I don't like cricket. I love it. Hey, thank you. Uh, so, first things first. Is that song racist? Oh, yeah, probably. Because it's got a lot of cod um, Jamaican accents in it, hasn't it? Yeah, they're not doing black face; they're doing black voice. They are doing black voice. Is that is that okay? No, I don't. Probably not. I say I don't like cricket. Just been quietly catching up, uh, catching up on this in the background. So, oh, the, the, yeah, I've just mm, this is this is not good. <laughs> I I didn't really realise who was singing all this. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is very bad, isn't it? <laughs> and I haven't seen the video, but I suspect it's not great. So, getting back to uh, cricket, then. So, um, anything to do with it being a sport, like knowing the players' names or caring about a particular outcome or even understanding all of the rules in any hard and fast way, doesn't interest me that much. In fact, that's what detracts from it. But the it's just weird. It is just an uh, an exemplar of, of of how being English is decidedly odd. I mean, you can. It's a it's a sport where you can wear a jumper. Mm-hmm. It's a sport that stops for tea. It's yeah. They don't even do that in darts. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said the thing that appealed to you was the sitting outside drinking tins of gin part of cricket. Yeah, no, obviously that is um that is, and I love how like that's what the English think of cricket. Like when when other people think of uh, when other nations think of cricket, they think of the sports side, and when any English. Uh, cricket fan thinks of cricket they're like oh yeah I'm going to get absolutely hammered all day 
<laughs> that's that's what they think. I'm going to get sunburn while drinking bad lager. Uh, possibly the Australians think that too, but they uh, slip, slap, slap. Yeah. So uh, it's just the bad lager for them, isn't it? Right? Yeah. No, Danny, you're um, you're, you're a surprisingly summery goth, aren't you? Really, all things considered. There was um, there was a point about five years ago where I all of a sudden not only liked the sun, but decided that I absolutely crave it at every possibility. <laughs> I genuinely had to put my goth sensibility aside and go, no, shorts are a thing now. Um, so I'm going <laughs> to enjoy them. Um, but yeah, no, cricket's great as well because you can, um, you can go do other things in another room. Yeah. And then keep on popping back and going, oh, how's the cricket going? Pretty much exactly the same as it was 20 minutes ago. Oh, that's fabulous. <laughs> Do you know, cricket was originally originally um, a nefarious sport. It was, one of the, um, mm. it was one of the betting sports. It's one of the where a lot of money was won and lost and people uh, like boxing and um, to a certain extent horse racing. Um and yeah, a lot of money was won and lost. It was a it was a bit of a uh, nefarious thing. Well, when when you when are you talking about? What, what sort of era is this then? Uh, back in ye oldie days, I don't know if you've heard of ye oldie days. You've got like modern <laughs> days that are now, and then before that is like ye oldie days, and then there's um, stone men or something like even further back in ye oldie days. So yeah, it's about then. Um, I I think there is a, I think there is a comment made here uh, to be made here about um, the English abroad. And how um, we don't really um, pay much attention to uh, other cultures abroad, so we are we are liable to make the most terrible faux pas <laughs> and just barrel through because that's our right. <laughs> so the idea that our national sport is an incredible faux pas on every aspect <laughs> of the galaxy um, is quite a nice one. I don't I don't know if it was intended, but um, it's funny how things work out in it. And from a very English sport to a very English gentleman. Mr L Prosser is 40, fat and shabby. He works for the local council and is distantly related to Genghis Khan. I think it is Genghis. In the UK, Prosser is what would be referred to as a jobs worth. John, do you think that concept translates elsewhere? Are there Prosser equivalents across the pond? Okay, I did do a bit of research into this to, to think through the issue. I think Slightly lazy research, I must admit. I didn't, you know, go to a library or anything like that. I did use Wikipedia. Let's let's just cut to the chase. I, I call a spade. A spade. I use Wikipedia, right, lads? Sorry about that. Fine. Um, Wikipedia does seem to feel, and and other online dictionaries and things like that all seem to feel that it, that it is definitely a, a, a British idea. Um, Wikipedia, though, interestingly, when you go to the uh, see also section. The only touch point that it can come come up with that is actually related to it is uh, an apparatchik, which is a double p a r t c h i k. Now I know this word, and I've seen I've seen it used. Essentially, it's like a Russian f- functionary, and it's most often used in in English colloquial use to kind of describe one of those kind of Owen Smith type politicians that we've got one of those one of those um real uninspiring um most mostly in labor kind of party people but from that side of the party from that kind of Tony Blair side of the party you know, it seems to be where it is is it a bit um is it a bit centrist dad yeah it's a bit it's a bit centrist dad and it's and it's a bit it's a bit kind of um 
you're really, really uninspiring, but because you do what the party says, mm-hmm. you get to kind of carry on getting a job and you get to rise up the ranks. You've done your, you've done your Oxford PPE thing. You know, you've, you've, you've interned for somebody for a bit. Um, you're just about telegenic enough. Um, and then you get given a, a safe seat after promising to knock on 400 doors a week for, for a couple of years kind of thing. It's, it's, it's kind of that really bland politician gray wallpaper person yeah yeah so um that's the uh, that's the only other type of word um that they can come up with um mm. on the on, on the wikipedias so I, I changed direction on this one and um i started typing jobs worth in uh and then i was going to kind of look for it in different languages and uh, jobs worth in french kind of jumped out so i thought i'd go to that and um when I googled jobs worth in French, obviously your mileage may vary depending on your internet search history. Uh, the one of the one of the third or fourth entries on Google is um, "fucking low life jobs worth cunt" translation into French. <laughs> <laughs> wow! <laughs> um, so somebody's somebody's previously googled that, um, and that would be apparently um, a um, pertain de crapule employed tatillon chat. So there you are. (laughs) So (laughs) potentially it exists in French, if only because somebody has tried to use a Google Translate type service in the past to get it and has remembered it. I love that somebody was so angry that they went away and Googled (laughs) their insult. (laughs) This fucking, this, I'm going to fuck, right, wait there. Wait there. <laughs> just gonna get Wi-Fi. I'm just gonna be back ten in ten minutes. Ten minutes, and, and he's gonna That's the real esprit de scalier, isn't it? It's, um, yeah. Maybe, maybe the the concept exists. Maybe the words don't. Maybe if we uh, actively started to introduce the uh, wonderful term, by the way, the wonderful term Jodsworth, um, to other cultures, they would understand what it meant and start being able to throw that around as liberally as we do. Uh, well, in the interests of of you know uh, hands across the pond, we should uh, sort of explain that the the term comes from the phrase. Oh, it's more my job's worth. Yes. Um, to asking someone to do something, which is probably, it's, it's that thing of, um, I'm a human being, you're a human being. Can we do a human thing instead of you looking at your clipboard and just consulting the clipboard or, you know, doing what the computer says and then the computer says no? Um, it's it's the response that the unimaginative, um, unwilling to bend person will say. They can say, "Well, can't do that. It's more than my job's worth." Uh, and so, more than my job's worth becomes job's worth becomes a type of person becomes prosser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I feel like it is peculiarly British in some ways. But I, yeah, I would be very interested to hear uh, what people outside of the UK think. Yeah, the idea that my job is uh, more important than your comfort. Is 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 not a British one. That's that's a capitalist one. But um, <laughs> yeah, yes, but the idea that like somebody would would drop their um their humanity and and follow that w- w- is is a very British concept. I feel somebody would uh, defer to authority to the point of well, obviously my job is more important than you, so uh, that you should understand that. But Danny, if if um if I can uh, if I can assume the mantle as the only John here of of probably saying the sorts of things that John would say at this particular stage, uh, other John being John Bounds, of course. Um, he said it's, you know, it's, it's not about do, um, denying your, your, your comfort because that would be the capitalist point of view, but it's actually, it's, 
it's it's a response that comes from being a subject of of capitalist systems and it's a, it's something that comes from from class position because it it speaks to an idea of both uh being being alienated from other people to the extent that you that you won't um actually consider their human needs before the needs needs of your job and it and it comes from a position ultimately of having clawed your way up further than some people because it's the the job's worth is always a low level manager a low level person of power um so they're, they're never going to break into middle class managerial positions but they're going to be the supervisor they're going to be the the, the blakey and on the buses kind of character um they're going to be at that sort of level the rimmer in 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 red dwarf just just a modicum of extra power there that they've got that they're desperate to cling on to and also desperately proud of because they think that they are actually uh, escaping a kind of a working class drudgery by by having accrued that power. So, so I think the job's worth is created by systems of, of capital and systems of, 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 of class. Um, and that's where, that's where it kind of comes from. That's, that's the position it is. So it, probably, it probably does exist in other in other cultures, but whether or not they've articulated it into a word, that perhaps speaks more to, to a British condition than anything else. Britishpodcastawards.com slash vote. <laughs> I love the idea. I love the idea that, like, at the end of the day, um, they're going to count the change on the bus and they go, well, it's, it's it's 5p short. And the driver goes, well, there was this old woman um, and she'd forgot a bus pass and the only change that she had was obviously 5p short and the boss looks at him and goes get out how dare you you are fired like the idea that it is genuinely more than their job's worth because it's normally a response to something that is completely inconsequential as well yeah um that it like that isn't more than their job's worth in any capacity whatsoever Totally. Can can we just reflect on a second how good the word jobs worth is? Like how good a name it yeah. is. Yeah. It's it, it's in the same vein as twirlies. What's a twirly? Um, going going back to the bus, it's when um they're they're old dears that uh, get on the bus just before half past uh when they're um it's twirly and and they're like twirly am I twirly. Um, uh, and the bus and the bus drivers in Liverpool. I think it was Liverpool started calling them twirlies. That's so, amazing. Oh, uh, yeah, twirlies. But yeah, Jobsworth is up there with that. There's also an element of the Jobsworth that goes out and seeks battles. I think yeah. um, because things like uh, parking attendants and um, a certain stripe of well, no, actually, I think parking attendants are the ones uh, are, are really good ones because they have a fiefdom, and it, you know it sort of speaks to the things we've we've already been saying that they guard their fiefdoms very jealously, and uh, so car park attendants who go around and slap the uh, the the sticker or the or the the not the sticker but the uh, the, the little sheaf of paper underneath the uh, windscreen wiper five seconds after the time has elapsed that you know there's those people that sort of they they walked around 15 minutes before and they made a mental note and they knew that they were going to have a little frisson of of delight that they were going to able to to you know put their little sheaf of paper under the under the windscreen uh, wiper um and so they they got to do it you know it's it's the people who seek out those little moments to to take what they feel as as their little victories uh, I think that that also is is 
part of the the jobs worth psyche. There's a, a lack of empathy and emotional intelligence in the in the in the jobs worth as well. That it's kind of I've got my authority and I'm going to carry on with the system, even though I've got the ability to to change the outcome here. Um, yeah, you've got the latitude. You just you choose not to. Use and that's it. why that's why it was very. Um, Clever to, uh, to 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 tie Prosser up to the idea of being a descendant of Genghis Khan, to uh, to kind of bring us back to to that position. This idea of kind of somebody who will just carry on relentlessly and just steamroller over over everything. I, I've got or bulldoze over everything. yeah, bulldoze over everything exactly. So the other thing that came up when I was uh, when I was finding out more about Jobsworth is, is there is a Jobsworth Recruitment Limited of Hale Owen. Which is the most amazing idea for an employment agency I've ever heard of. I, I can imagine it being a, an actual surname. It's a bit of nominative determinism. They happen to be called Jobsworth, yeah, yeah. so they became an employment consultant. Well, uh, Prosser had a big impact, but only appeared in one episode of the radio and uh, teleseries. Someone who uh, only appeared in the first episode of the radio show to a far lesser impact was this lady. Lady Cynthia Fitzmelton is the woman who christens the new Cottingdon bypass by breaking a bottle of very splendid and worthwhile champagne over the noble prow of a very splendid and worthwhile yellow bulldozer. She was played by the comedic actor Joe Kendall and was completely annoying. Danny, I know you've heard the radio show, but probably don't remember her. So why did Adams put her in? Um, I, I, I don't know. A- apart from the wonderful name, um, which I'm, I'd be very pleased if I came up with that. Um, I don't know, maybe saying something about class. Uh, he doesn't really talk about class a lot. Um, only in very general terms about the working man. So... Um, I don't think he was completely comfortable around class. I like um he went to Cambridge but he he wasn't super super well off. So yeah, that that is one notable absence from uh, Adam's work is his comments about uh the English class system. Yes, uh, everyone you encounter from earth tends to be uh, not classless in in that they 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 aren't part of a class, but in yeah, it's it's unaddressed, so it's kind of a slightly woolly Richard Curtis kind of basically middle class. Uh, we haven't thought about it too much. Don't look at it. Uh, just carry on, kind of class. Which um which a little bit torpedoes my running theory that um Hitchcock's Guide to the Galaxy is Douglas Adams explaining the English to the rest of the world. <laughs> Because you can't really talk about Englishness without talking about class. Um, no. So yeah, the reason why he put that in to fuck my theory up. <laughs> now uh, we've not covered poetry for a couple of weeks, so it's time to get back on the horse. Lalifer wrote what are widely regarded throughout the galaxy as being the finest poems in existence, the songs of the long land. Long after his death, his poems were found and wondered over, but shortly after the invention of time travel, some major correcting fluid manufacturers wondered whether his poems might have been better still if he had had access to some high-quality correcting fluid, and whether he might be persuaded to say a few words on that effect. He never got around to writing the poems, so the correcting fluid people got him to copy them out of a book they'd taken from the version of the past where he did write the poems. But John, yes, if he never wrote the poems because he got rich and famous and happy, how did they have a copy of the book so he could copy them from John? Right. There is a problem with all uh, people who become famous, who, who, who write poetry, who write songs, who do music, who who speak to something in ourselves, which is that the minute they become famous, 
they do get um, taken away from being able to tell stories that we can relate to. That's why that's why the rap singers have to go somewhere and then come back so that they can they can go and remember <laughs> ab- ab- about all the about all the bad things. But you know, the, it, there is this kind of this thing of someone um, uh, someone comes into the popular consciousness and then we embrace them and then they get lots and lots of money and then they can't get back to where they were because now everything's changed and, every, and everything's dis- di- different. The only person who somehow seems to get away with it is Bruce Springsteen. Now. Mm. He must be like 70 now <laughs> and he's been doing stuff since the 60s, but he's about the only person who I can take seriously telling me about how hard it is when, you know, you've got um, uh, the man's on your back and your job's your job's terrible and your woman's left you, but you're going to kind of run off with the other woman and, um, and oh, oh God, you, you got to go and pay your union dues so that otherwise you won't be able to get a shift. Isn't it hard? He can, he can somehow, he can do that despite not having been in that world for 50 years. So I think he's in league with this Tipex time travel scenario situation. I, I can't see any, any other way to do it. I'm, um, I don't know how they do it, Mark, that, that I'm not answering your question at all. I, I don't. I don't know the. You're evading the question. I don't know the mechanism for how this works, but Springsteen is real, so this actually happens. Danny, are you with me on this? Okay. To be fair, uh, yeah. to a couple of things on this. Uh, to address your Bruce Springsteen point, uh, the man does uh, nine-hour concerts. Like, like he doesn't get off stage for nine That's hours. That's basically like, like being down the pit. Then, isn't it? You're correct. correct. And like when he talks about working hard, I kind of believe him. Yeah, because okay. once you get backstage, you've got to do all the drugs and all the groupies. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's, it doesn't begin and end on walking on stage, mate. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of graft. Um, so yeah, that uh, Bruce Springsteen is is a poet, and uh, I won't hear a word said against him. Uh, the second thing, Mark, are you talking about the time travel paradox that if we go back and kill our grandfather, how will he exist? How will I exist to kill my grandfather? In basically, pretty yeah. much, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wasn't this all solved? What, didn't we all didn't didn't like narrative fiction solve this with the idea of um, alternative timelines? So as soon as as soon as you make any decision or any action is made or any anything is done, the um, an alternative timeline is created where it did and it didn't happen. But how do you how do you bring a physical object from that other universe? I mean, I will remind you, you're traveling in time at this point, Mark. So yeah, you are tra- you are traveling at that point. You're traveling time, so you've still got the object. The object is, uh, I'm assuming, time travel. You're allowed to bring things with you in this universe, unlike um, <laughs> unlike uh, Terminator. Where you can't mm-hmm. bring inorganic things back in time apart from your entire skeleton uh, that is inside <laughs> of you. <laughs> when they brought back the book back fr- from the future that they existed in and, ga- yes. and gave him the book and it yes. made him happy and rich, they created another timeline yes. which everybody on that timeline continued on with where the th- thing wasn't written. Okay. So there still, so, exists, uh, there still exists a timeline where the songs were written. But there also exists one, well, many others where there wasn't, and they just went to that one. The problem with trying to resolve Mark's position and Danny's position is, is that you can't, um, you're taking matter from one universe to another, and you can't create, destroy matter or energy. You can only transfer them from different states. So those that that massively breaks physical laws, doesn't it? Yeah, that was definitely my problem with it. That was your problem. Yeah, that was your problem. There you go. Yeah, that was definitely that was definitely my my problem with it. It wasn't the paradox, but um, luckily, luckily, it can be fixed because of makeups made up science. So yeah, 
it's, it's, it's fine. Good. Well, avid listeners uh, will doubtless remember the fascinating discussion we had on Kerp <laughs> last week. Uh, so now let's honour him by discussing his homeworld. Lamuella is a planet not unlike Earth, but where the days are 25 hours long, which plays havoc with a mechanical watch. According to old Thrashbarg, the planet had been found fully formed in the navel of a giant earwig at 4.30 one vroom day afternoon. In Mostly Harmless, Arthur becomes the sandwich maker and makes Lamuella his home and sandwiches. That sentence makes sense. Listen back to it and you'll get it. Uh, this question is for any member of the panel. If there were some sort of galactic federation, would Lamuella be eligible to join, or are they still a bit too innocent and unsophisticated? I guess I'm asking whether Old Thrushbarg makes the prime directive tricky to follow. Um, so uh, they they haven't actually made first contact, so they wouldn't be able to. Not officially. Right. Not officially, because they have had uh, multiple people crash on their planet, because Arthur did, and then um, his... Well, uh, Arthur did, and then Trillian came down, or Trisha... No, it was actually Trillian, not Trisha McMillan. Trillian came down with Random. Yeah. Uh, and then... Uh, there was another uh, play. Uh, there was another ship that Random then found. I think that crash landed. Um, that had it was a, it was a star liner of some sort. Um, so lots of people seem to crash on this planet, but there's been no official envoy from any kind of organisation. It would seem. Um, I, it, it raises a lot of questions. Like, um, and I don't know how, how how ethically they're answered. So, if there is. Um, a tribe, let's say, on this planet, let's take it away from the universe, let's say there's a tribe on this planet, and they're suffering from a disease that's easily curable. Do we step in and cure the disease for them? Well, one of the things, to, to cycle this back to something else, is that Kirk is not a job's worth. <laughs> so that Prime Directive is very flexible in his hands. You know, mm. can, he, can he fight it or shag it? <laughs> <laughs> Then he's going. Then he's going. I feel like Janeway would have taken a different approach. Yeah, um, I don't really know to answer this, Lamuella. Partly because it's been about ten years since I last read Mostly Harmless, um, and um, I'm blanking on it almost entirely. So, are they a, are they a primitive planet? They are pretty primitive. Yeah. So, Old Thrushbarg is there. He's the sort of de, de facto. Um, God, Godhead, um, and he—you know—he's the—he's the priest, he's the prophet, he's the uh, the um, conveyor of news. He's the guy who you know uh, who makes sense of everything. And so, I think in in that sense, there is a, a primitive aspect to the world. Mm. So, why why would you want to live there if you were Arthur Dent? Why would you want to make sandwiches in them? Because I think what what I what I really take about that whole part of 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 the book is how happy he is in being given a simple job and given a job that he can take pride in. Um, there's there's lovely descriptions um, about the, the bread and the meat and the knives that he uses, the different... Uh, the the different types of knives that he uses for the slicing the bread versus uh, flipping the meat over <clears throat> over and, and all that kind of stuff, and he he takes great pride in his work and is happy for the first time in a very long time um, since uh, Fenchurch disappeared, and so I think he he crash landed there but ended up actually finding a place that he could live fairly happily for a, for a, a season, and uh, there's something lovely about that that I. I really like in that it feels like 
he finally found a home it then all gets disrupted and it's basically because it gets disrupted and when obviously when random turns up but he, he gets to a point where he's about to sort that out and he's about to sort of um build a relationship with her and then ford comes and and screws it all up by doing ford things and it's 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 a it's a real shame do you think you and it's it almost takes the thing full circle um where ford, I, I i know ford didn't do this um ford did destroy the planet but if you if you take if you take it from arthur's point of view um ford rescues arthur quote unquote from the earth and and puts him in harm's way in several different circumstances he finally finds a place that is enough like earth that he can cope and he finds a job that he enjoys and something that he can take pride in and people like him and then ford comes along and screws it all up for him again do you, do you think he would have stayed happy that's an important question is the satisfaction with your job only going to take you so far it, it might not be everyone's utopia, but it's written very utopian. It's pleasantly agrarian and there's predictability. You, you've got enough colourful characters in the likes of Old Thrashbug where you can roll your eyes at someone. Nothing, you know, it's not like everything's perfect. Um, but and I, I think given that, that Random turns up, he does get the chance for disruption mm. and then to grow as a person and to build this new relationship. Um and he, you know, he almost gets there, and I think that's quite, quite lovely. Essentially, Le Melur is um, is is kind of galactic escape to the country, and <laughs> at this stage, Arthur is very much at that at that stage. You know, if he if he had carried on as being uh, work, working for the BBC, he'd have wanted to uh, gone and worked on a small holding by now. Yeah, he'd have wanted to, to cash in his uh, three hundred thousand pound little country house in Cottingdon and uh, go and move to Lamuella. Yeah. Well, that just about wraps it up for the show. Thank you very, very much for listening. And uh, don't forget to go to britishpodcastawards.com slash vote and vote for our little show because it would make us very happy if you did. It's, it's that simple, really. Um, and it would be nice to think that uh, that we might be some people's choice. We might not be the people's choice, <laughs> but we might be the choice of some people. And that is a heartwarming thought. Um, you can uh, you can find us on Twitter. You'll find Danny over there at Probably Drunk and John is at John Hickman. I am at I am Stedman. We will be back next week. So until then, share and enjoy. is uh, uh oh this is i'm gonna sound like you trying to say this word now a parachic oh all right a a pa- the fucking shade of it all a para- a, i know a, it's a bit a bit me d- d- a, 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 <laughs> an apparatchik okay you know what that is I've never said no, the word because I, I usually only try and pronounce words that the, the, A are made up or B are part no, of the English so language. I've never seen this word written down. I've never said it out loud.